This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. And I got to tell you, Chris, I'm pretty excited about this. I've been stopping by Zupan's there on Burnside a little bit more and more uh, because they're constantly updating the different things that they have going on. And one of those is their poke bar. Uh, there are a lot of great things going on at that store. Poke bar, five varieties of poke, seafood salads, three types of rice and toppings. You can create your own poke bar. It's awesome. I got to point this out, though. It's only available at their Burnside, but expanding to the other locations in 2007. Also, the other thing that you got to keep in mind, it's football time, and they have some incredible, I love their house-made guacamole, and their pico de gallo is fantastic. So check the football schedule and sync it up with Zupan's as well. The other thing that you should check out is their beer and wine tastings. They have them in their store every Friday and Saturday, and wine tasting events in Cellar Z at their Burnside and Lake Grove locations. And the easiest way to, to find out about all these things going on is checking out zoopans.com. They have this new, brand new website. You can find out what's fresh and new, browse their recipes. I would recommend, I've started following Zoopans on Instagram, Chris. Very nice. Yeah, and they feature some beautiful, beautiful items, and it's given me maybe a hundred different ideas of things I need to do on the weekend. So check out their brand new website, zoopans.com. You can order online catering, sandwiches, floral delivery. It's all there at zoopans.com. It's right at the fork. Portland's food fiend. Food fiend. We're food fiends. It's our poon. F- That's our poon. F- poon. F- <laughs> I don't know about that either. Hey, Welcome back to Right at the Fork. It's Portland's food scene podcast with your hosts, Chris Angelus from Portland Food Adventures. And you are Court Johnson from Kink Mornings and Right at the Fork, of yeah, course. You're not only Kink Mornings. Right. I did, we, do, we both do a bunch of things. Uh, one of the things that we don't do is get interviewed very often by our guests, which is what happened on today's uh, podcast. Yeah, it was really cool. Dana Frank uh, of Dame came in and she asked us a question. And I think people probably have heard the two of us speak enough where we're going to keep this intro yeah. kind of light. Right. Because um, I did hear from, we did hear from someone that we're talking too much. Should we stop talking? I'd like to get people's reactions. Uh to that question. Thumbs up, thumbs down about the, um, the little intro where, you know, sometimes we got some business we got to cover. Right. And I'm not, look, I, I can't put it out there and take crit- criticism from everyone. The, the show's doing okay. Right. However, we're open to criticism. So sure. if anybody has any suggestions, guest ideas, um, uh, so, you know, I was told by a uh, uh, food dude a long time ago, mm-hmm. shut up. Okay. Uh, speak less. Right. Walk, walk uh, speak softly and carry a big stick, I guess. I yeah. don't know. And uh, I don't know. I try I try to listen a little bit. I be, always try to become a better listener. I know my wife, Randy, has uh, really gotten into listening to the podcast on the regular. Sometimes I used to have to remind her. She she listens to so many podcasts. I'm like, don't forget mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's like, I'm listening to your podcast. And she has yet to give me back, give me feedback. And she's normally pretty quick. Right. If she doesn't like something, so oh, that's good. I'm taking that as well. We hope we really want people to like this, right? And want to tune in and listen, and we think we're bringing some good stories to the Portland food world, so everybody can enjoy and know these folks a little better. Mm-hmm. And I think Dana's story is definitely one of those where it's it's this is something we haven't delved into, which is 
like the big culture of wine. Yeah, it's because I'm generally a little uncomfortable with it, as we you'll know by right. listening to the podcast. But she made it really comfortable. Yeah, it was like drinking that wine and looking over, and the glass is empty. The she, time was gone yeah, really quickly. She was not judgmental in any way. No, to the fact that you and I don't, I don't know what be. we're talking about she when it comes to wine. She eventually told me to give it up. Just right. forget it. Stop trying don't to... Feel ba- and don't feel bad. Exactly. And we should mention this, uh, Chris, before we forget that you actually have an event with Dana at Dame coming up on the 21st of February that people can check out online at portlandfoodadventures.com. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Leanne Bach of M Realty. Choosing the right realtor can make or break the buying or selling experience in real estate. Leanne Bach is in tune with the ever-changing Portland landscape, especially as it pertains to our food and restaurant world. Why not work with someone who's in step with you and has years of experience to work on your behalf? Find Leanne at LeanneBach.com. L-E-A-N-N-E-B-A-C-H dot com. The Portland Auto Show. Order tickets now for the Auto Show sneak peek for charity preview party on January 25th. Eat great food and enjoy open bars while browsing over 600 models with proceeds going to seven great Portland area charities. Your $100 tickets for a night out on the town are tax deductible. Visit PortlandAutoShow.com now and look for the sneak peek tab. Zupans. Unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extended extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupans and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupans is the place to find the very best Northwest Bounty in Portland, West Burnside, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupans Markets. And by Portland Food Adventures. Did you know you can eat and drink your way through Europe with chefs like Atala's Jose Chesa and Lardo's Rick Gencarelli? Join right at the Fork host Chris Angelus and his great chef friends for these trips of a lifetime to Barcelona and Tuscany in September and October. Get to PortlandFoodAdventures.com and click on the blog tab to see pricing and itineraries. How do you guys know each other? How do we know? Oh, um, no one knows this, really. We haven't told the story. Yeah. There was this uh, radio show that uh, a mutual friend of ours was putting on. Jamie uh, Mustard. Jamie Mustard and Kevin Carroll. Right. Was Kevin here the day you came in the first time? He's ne- I have never met him in person. He's, he's like always, He's always remote. He was always remote. He's like this imaginary friend of ours that right. may or may a, not be real. You see him. You see him on the motor commercials. Yeah. You, you know who Kevin Carroll is? Maybe red rubber ball guy. Yeah. Maybe. That's what a lot of people in Portland know him as. Anyway, he so wasn't I was, the impetus. It was Jamie, actually. No, that's right. Yeah. But, yeah. So, and you met. You had met Jamie. We both wrote for About, for Face, about magazine. Face magazine. So we met there, and we were kind of dissidents at the same time. Yeah. And I was their producer slash uh, board. I was their engineer. Oh, gotcha. And okay. so we met. That's that's the first time we met, right? Right. So when Heather and I started doing the podcast two years ago, three years ago now. Right. Wow, three. And uh, we were actually working through a company that did podcasts. It's no longer in business, which is interesting, right? Because right. that's what they did. Right. Um, and I had said to Heather, hey, I know this guy who could engineer it. Maybe we can just produce this ourselves instead of having that company produce right, it. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we... Came here and that's, oh, that's awesome. That's how we met. So and it's worked cool. out. Yeah, worked out pretty well. And you like food too, Court? I do. Uh, how could I not? <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, We're uh, getting him into it. He Cr- doesn't. He doesn't. He's well. You know, I, I live out on the I live out on the far west side of Portland, like Tigard area, where it's more suburbia. It's more yeah. Chili's, Applebee's, right. Olive Garden is your closest restaurant. That's right. changing. And you, 
you work the morning show. Work the morning show. So he's up at like yeah. a ridiculous. I know hour. that's insane. Yeah. So go. So going. In fact, I was I was thinking about this the other day because I I you know I I always use my girls as an excuse why I can't go hang out with Chris at night. <laughs> it's, there's women and, are always an excuse. Yeah, why but my girl my girls are a good excuse. But also the fact is I was telling you as we were walking in I wake up every morning at three a.m. I can't really be out past seven o'clock at night. Right. Because I have to go to bed. I don't even ask them anymore. Do you want to go here? Hey, yeah, we can no, go no. here and hang yeah. out. How many days a week do you do the morning show? Five days a week. So, oh, right. I mean, so Sunday through Thursday. And you're, and you're working wink, wink on Saturday and Sunday, too. But kind of, yeah, yeah, but the, then that's when the dance stuff really kicks in. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So. Well, your voice is all over kink on the weekends, too. Oh, that's right. And I know what you're, yeah. <laughs> I, I forget about that. I, I record shifts. I won't even try to hide that. I record the shifts that you hear me on on, on right. the weekends. He's yeah. the most heard guy on Kink, uh, I, I believe. Right? No one's voices. Um, I don't. Yeah, there might Jeff, our night guy, might be just as much. But there was a short time actually when I first started doing the morning show on Kink. I was actually doing the night show, taping it out. So I was there was ten hours a day. Of wow. course, ten hours of the twenty-four hour day. Of, well, yeah, this is like one hundred one nine Kink and or one hundred one nine Court. And now there's, there's this. <laughs> By the way, Dana, did you just want to interview us? I know this is good. I like differently. it. I like it. Yeah, it's like it's like coming into Dame and you're behind exactly. the bar. Exactly. I love it. This is what it's going to be. I love it. So thanks for coming in and thanks for establishing that. Yeah. Corey, we've known each other now for probably four years. Four years. Four and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Because because I had been on that radio show a few times right. beforehand, and I like. It's always nice to know like how the people who are interviewing you know. That is other. awesome that you asked. No one's ever asked. No one's yeah. even come close to asking anything like that. No, it's true. And, and if I look at like, you know, because I've lived here in Portland six years now, five and a half, that uh, your my relationship with you, Chris, is probably the longest, most established, not just friendship, but also just like business relationship, too. Oh, that's cool. Wow. So, yeah. I didn't, I didn't there know that. There you go. Wow, I feel much Happy more Thanksgiving, important. guys. Yeah. Thank you. That's <laughs> I will toast, to, toast yeah. to you on Thanksgiving. All right. In addition to lots of other... Things that we need to appreciate uh, yeah, nowadays. Yeah, it's true. It is true. We're, we're in, it's all in like, we're all, it's microscopic now. We're looking at it really closely. Mm-hmm. Today, it's, you, know? Mm-hmm. you know, it's really <laughs> interesting, and I'm going to just digress for a second, but we did this beautiful event at Park Kitchen, which was uh-huh. the day after the election. And it was the strangest day be, be, to have an event and yeah. to like be talking about. And so I sat there, and I looked around the room, and everybody was really having a good time. It was the perfect yeah. thing. Yep. For that night. And yeah. but, but the the night before I was just oh I can't Oh, it's gonna believe. be terrible. No, we thought for sure business was gonna be just it was so busy the night after the election. And, and coping. Everyone was but, drinking. People are coping. <laughs> but I looked but I looked around and I appreciated every yeah. I saw the they were it was the only event I'd ever had where every single person except for one that I'd met at another event. Every single person I had been to previous events, so they were all repeat. It was the only time that's ever happened, yeah. which was really interesting, and I had all this appreciation for all these people. That's cool. You know, I have one woman, Wendy, who I'm sure has been to Dame. I hope she has. has mm-hmm. been to all but one Portland Food Adventures event. So I always- Oh my gosh, I'm wow. always pouring the heart out. So I wrote this blog the next day, and it was all about me and how much I appreciated things, and I realized yeah. that is just so self-serving when I read it two days later. But that's where... Yeah, but that's where you were at. You know, it's, exactly. everyone's in the self-healing mode. So, you know, if that's what felt good, man, you got to go with that. Yeah. So uh, so you, you've been open how long now at Dame? Uh, like 10 weeks. 10 weeks. I kind of lost count. It's like when you have a kid and you're counting everything by weeks and then months, and then all of a sudden you're like, it's ridiculous to say I have a kid that's 48 months old. Why don't I just say I have a four-year-old? 
Right. So I'm losing count, but I, it's about 11 weeks. Can, do we have a calculator? Can we multiply 24 <laughs> times 12? Yes, that's pretty easy. 288, 288 months. I just my son just yeah. came out to visit me this weekend, and it's a whole different world. Yeah, in right. Twenties, it's, mm-hmm, it's awesome. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. Moments of appreciation. Yeah, we're going to have sure, a nice right? Thanksgiving because of it. So, um, what do you appreciate most about ten weeks in? Yeah. What's what are you what are you appreciating the most about that? Um, our staff. We have an amazing staff. Uh, did you read the memo? You've used up one amazing. Oh. I read it and I was thinking to myself, I don't even use that word that often. Yeah, that's that's why we're doing it. We want you to be aware. Okay, Uh, we have a tremendous staff. Can I take it back if I re-say it? Yeah, we're good. Okay, good. We're just established. No, I get it. I get it. Um, Yeah, we have a tremendous staff and it's a small staff. Um, It's the smallest staff I've ever worked with, but it's um, a really great group of people who are super motivated and have lovely personalities and they've all become friends with each other and... Um, so I, I very much appreciate that because when you hire a group of people to open a business, um, you know, you get like your first hit off of them, but then you don't really know how that's going to go down the road, how people are going to interact with each other, sure, how, the energy, you know. how they're going to vibe, what the energy is going to be like. And so that's been really fantastic. How many came with you from Ava Jeans? Um, one. One? Yep. So I really tried. I, I, I didn't want to poach a bunch of staff. I mean, that's that whole crew. I, I was very loyal to them and was there for three years and it just didn't feel right, you know, to go in and say, who wants to come with me, you know? But, um, you know, so I, we posted an ad and had it be very neutral and those who were interested could apply. And, um, you know, so it worked out really well. And how did you meet Jane? I don't know Jane. Yeah. So, so Jane is really, that's my mom's name, by the way. So whenever oh, really? you say the word Jane, it's it's warming to me. This is it's just like on uh, Superman versus Batman, where uh, they realize both their parents' names are mother or Martha, excuse me. Oh, really? And that's what stops the fight between Batman and Superman. It's amazing. Oh, right. Well, we're not going to fight. Have that I'm not going to fight. <laughs> well, we might. Depends on what you ask me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Jane um, and I met uh, via a dear friend of mine, who is married to her cousin. And um, Jane had been <clears throat> looking at our space for a different project and uh, was in love with the space and um, wanted to do something. And at the same time, I was really considering stepping out on my own and starting something that was wine focused and um, but was looking for a partner and a space. And um, so our our my friend and her cousin in said you guys should talk because you both have what the other one doesn't what you need in a partnership and um it was it's a wonderful partnership so really great what do you have that complements each other what do you have what did she have um so jane has a really really um incredible business sense and operationally knows how to run a business very very well um she has been running her brother's bar, the Knockback, on Alberta for um, several years and has turned that into a really profitable, successful business and um, has just good vision and good energy and she understands how to take care of people and what hospitality is and what matters to people. She has a great palate for food. She, like me, started off cooking in kitchens and so that's where her sort of background comes into all of this. And then I came with, um, 
you know, many years of being a general manager and being a wine director and on the floor running restaurants. And um, so we came with these two things that were really, really crucial. And then when we put them together, we're able to create something really exciting. And So what were the rejected names? Because I love the name Dame. Well, thanks. Uh, <laughs> there are some bad ones. Uh, one of the names was Quiver. Mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was another name. Should, should we mock it so we take that off the table? Yeah, no, no, no. Go for it. You can mock it as much as you want because <laughs> it, uh, there was a moment that felt like that was a really great name. but. And then you could have opened a a bar next door called Quake. Right, exactly, exactly. It's sort of the I'm writing this stuff down. I know. That that would be, you'd have Frank Zappa posters up. (laughs) yeah. Uh, Another name was Supreme, Um, but again, not a good fit for what we were doing. And uh, so then there was, uh, we love the name Murray um, because of, well, a lot of different reasons. Um, I have a Jewish background, and that's the wonderful Jewish quarter in Paris. It's also kind of the heart and soul of the great natural wine bars in Paris. Um, so there's a lot of history in that area, and it's just a very charming, wonderful little neighborhood. But coming into the space that had been Cocotte, um, it felt maybe like we were trying too hard, giving it a French name. We weren't doing French food. We didn't want to be known as a bistro. Uh, that's a very good point. Yeah. So yeah. Marais got scrapped as much as we loved it. And we loved how it sounded and we loved how it looked. It just wasn't. It was. Maybe people would be comparing it to Cocotte forever. Right. It's too specific. Mm-hmm. So um, Dame was actually a name that, that made it onto a list and it was Dames with an S on it. But we didn't want it to be named after us being two women, um, so we scrapped the S and just called it Dame. And when you scrapped that S, did you both look at each other and say, that's it? That's- we felt really, really strongly, um, for sure, and then we sat on it for, you know, a little while and, and thought hard because, you know, it's like naming a child. You do it, and it's how you are identified, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it was definitely the clear winner out of this list of tons of names. And it was just, was it the two of you that made that decision yes. did you put it out for for so in the beginning we vote? were running names by people and then that's we, a bad idea it's a bad idea even for kids it didn't I, work out well for kids that's a terrible thing it did to not do. work out well for us because the other problem was that maybe one of us really was attached to the name or uh, you know our friends were saying oh we really like the name and then other people were saying oh that's the worst name i've ever heard of so it just we we got to the point where we were like you know what we're the two who are running this business it's just the two of us don't have investors so we're the ones that get to make the decision so and we love it i think it's great i had i had my name rick Giancarelli rejected my name for what is now grassa uh-huh what was hook line and sinker i thought it was a great idea (laughs) and i've never talked about it i liked it so you know he he was successful with a name like lardo right Right, which is which is a tough one yep but interesting and he was was very successful so he's opening a pasta place i thought it should have been carbo Lar- and they were right next to each other, Lardo oh and Carbo. Oh my gosh, that's pretty good. And, that's pretty but good. I, it was like they didn't even think that was even. So that that's what <laughs> happens with names. So and they, and yeah, they exactly. can use the same lettering; they just have to replace two letters. Exactly. And Done. It's, and with an O. Yeah. I just thought there was so much good about it, but maybe that's why my ad agency isn't in operation any longer. Maybe I. I'm gonna write maybe that. Maybe I one. hit the. No, it's probably just because you've been out of practice for so long. And that so, was the know. end of it. That was the yeah. last few years of a 20-year <laughs> Carbo how kind of has a negative connotation well, these days. Said well, that, what does Lardo have? Exactly. That was my point. If you could make it with Lardo, you can then kind of make fun of it. Right. So, 
Yeah, I Lardo's a little sexier. Yeah, no, I I don't know about that. <laughs> well, and uh, Cincinnati Reds had a wonderful uh, player named Bernie Carbo years ago, so that's a there you go, uh, right? So anyway, oh uh, gosh, I'm so but we're sorry. getting speaking of Dame, we're getting all sorts of like, oh, did we name it after Damian Lillard? What's up, Dame? Oh yeah, we did oh, not I didn't even think about that. But we are waiting for him to come in to his namesake restaurant, and there's also a master sommelier named Fred Dame. We did not name it after Fred Dame. Just coincidences out there. Yeah, the no. Well, but we but, would like but it. it but if, you didn't mind the connotation necessarily, and you don't mind having a no. conversation about that. If Dame Dalla wants to come in and uh, drink some wine right. and have some dinner. So, right. the, so my, my question is, I'm okay, so you, you purposely did not go with a French-sounding name, right. despite the fact that Dame technically is French. If you say Dom. Right. Um, <laughs> that, we, Dom. we pull it from, from the French. Yes, mm-hmm. right. Which I think is actually really smart, because Dame has become so much part of the English language yep. in, in how we use it. So. Right, exactly. It's a little bit slang now, too. It right. goes back to the misogynistic days of the right. 50s. It's yeah. so we just had somebody on um, one of our recent reviews comment a commenter and you know the old like don't ever read the comments but somebody commented that the name is sexist and oh, it offends come on. them please i think it's a really lovely name it I for us you know we went into this old building that was built in the 20s and for us it felt like we were sort of breathing new life into it we totally changed how the space feels and looks and so in a way it was sort of like an ode to this building yeah and um we've got a lot of collected and vintage art in the space and one of the pieces we have um had nothing to do with the name. We found it long after the name, but um, it was a piece that Jane's grandmother painted, and it's a beautiful nude, and it just kind of is front and center on the wall. And in some ways, that sort of embodies the space too, and the name, and you know. So I think it I don't for think me, there's anything sexist and I don't want anybody to think I'm sexist for thinking this. Yeah, for, no, for thinking. Right, but for me, it conjures up very positive. I think good so vibes, too. and it, and it feels. Like it would be a wine bar. It's got a little French feel to it, right. and it takes me back to the the days of uh, you know, I think romantic days of the thirties, forties, and fifties that I only know, yeah, you know, peripherally. From- I don't know. You know, I I think you know. Again, I make a lot of uh, similarities to having kids because that's what you do when you have a five year old. But um, I feel like our place has grown into its name. And it makes perfect sense for that place to be called Dame. Um, we wanted it to have a very strong feminine presence, not feel girly, but, you know, it's run by two women, you know, and we wanted that to be known. And I think the name fits the space and what we're doing so well. So, Well, good. So yeah. you had mentioned, um, you know, France and the wine experience there. Yeah. When did you, so you're, very well respected in the wine world. You've won lots of uh, accolades. You have awards to speak for. When did you first get into wine? Um, so after I went to college, I joined the Peace Corps. And where did you go to college? I went to the University of Montana, and I studied journalism and history. And um, graduated school and um, joined the Peace Corps, and I lived in Romania for almost four years. And um, I loved it. And I'd always been really into cooking and living in Romania and shopping at the markets and cooking for friends. And that was a huge part of my life there. And I really, really loved it. Yeah. No, we're going to, I just want to talk about cooking later. Yeah. We'll get to that. Um, And uh, I was finishing up my time there and kind of trying to figure out what my next step was going to be. And I thought maybe culinary school would be a good idea. 
So I applied to culinary school and I got in and I got my first bill. This is why I was still living in Romania and I got my first tuition statement. And there were so many zeros at the end. I didn't even really know how to like reconcile what that meant because I'd been living off of like a monthly stipend of, you know, $150 a month for almost four years. So I just <clears throat> had to make a really tough decision that like going into that much debt, I, I couldn't even fathom what that would be like. And I came home from living in Europe and was staying at my parents and um, met somebody who was a chef at a restaurant. My parents live in Bend and said, well, if I were you, I would not go spend my money on culinary school, but you can come to work for me and I'll pay you, but it'll be like a learning experience. So I did that. And that's how I got into restaurants, got into the restaurant world was by way of cooking. And I cooked for um, just about two years. And um, in that two years, I learned a huge amount and I love cooking very, very much. And it helped me have a really great respect for what happens in professional kitchens. But I wanted to be in the front of the house. I'm very social um, extroverted. And I was, there was this thing where it was like, I'm making this beautiful food and then it goes out to the table and I don't know what happens. I never see a guest's face. I never get to talk with them or interact with them. And, and I really craved that's, that experience. That's what Greg Denton cited uh -huh. on the podcast is one of the things that's really important about what they're doing at Superbite. Right. Where they have everyone going in and out. Right. So, there's, I think it's so, so they're so getting important. the feedback and that's, it's so that's important part of taking the place yep. of tips, that feedback. Yes, absolutely. Well, and I know that um, Katie and Sondek are doing it at Coquine, mm -hmm. is having their kitchen staff deliver food. And I think it's, in a lot of ways, if, if you can do it right, it's a brilliant model. Um, but so I made a switch really quickly to the front of the house and um, just ended up at a restaurant that had an insane wine program. And Which was that? Uh, well, it's a restaurant that's closed now in Bend, but it was called Miranda. It was opened by a couple of brothers who had moved from the Bay Area. It was at the the sort of the beginning of loads and loads and loads of money rolling into Bend. And um, when was that? Uh, this was two thousand and three slash four, somewhere in there, and um, four or five, something like that. And uh, they built this multi million dollar restaurant that everybody said would not be successful, but they came from California with a serious pedigree behind them and built one hell of a restaurant and it didn't survive the crash unfortunately and um, closed it's a restaurant called 900 wall now and a lot of the oh, same people are still involved that. with it i also remember an art gallery a friend of mine was displaying her art at called lahaina gallery uh-huh yeah and that was a lot of money and yeah. a big gallery for bend yep. oregon yep well there's so just a lot of money in, in a lot of industries a time. lot of money in that town so i was there and i fell in with a really fantastic group of people there who were into wine in a way that I had never experienced. To me, in my mind, wine was always kind of uh, old guys in suits, talking about fancy Bur Burgundy and Bordeaux and California Cabernet. And it, when I was working at Mirinda, it was really young, cool guys, mostly. And um, one who was one of my first mentors is still a dear friend to this day and, and works in the wine business in Portland. And um, he was really outdoorsy and rides a skateboard and loves good music and it, and wine was just part of the sort of aesthetic part of his life. And there was a whole group of people like that and it just sucked me in. And I remember starting to taste wine with them and reading about wine and then I was spending all of my free time doing it. Like all of my three hours before work, I would sit there with a book and a highlighter and then go to work and get to work with wine all night and it just sucked me in in a serious way. I was more excited to study about wine than anything I had studied in college. And it was great. It was and great. 
Did you think at that point you wanted to, that was going to be... Yeah, yeah, I did actually. Um, so with the kind of support of that group of people, I um, we had a tasting group and was studying a lot. And I took my first um, level exam through the Court of Master Sommeliers. And after I passed that exam, I was like, okay, I'm definitely ready to leave Bend. I'm going to need something else because, you know, it's a small town. And um, so Portland seemed like a natural place for me to come. And so I just like kind of jumped in, set out a bunch of resumes. And, you know, I was really young and had never had a serious wine job. I'd never had a wine job. I just worked in restaurants, you know. So, um, but somebody gave me a chance, you know. And uh, I moved to Portland and um, have only been working in wine now since I've been here. So, All right. Our interview with Dana Frank will continue right after these quick messages. We just got out of the holidays, Chris. And for many people, that's the most wonderful time of the year. But for me, the most wonderful time of the year also includes the time where the Portland Auto Show happens. Sure, you could take your family to all sorts of different lots around town to look at vehicles, but you could go to one place and see them all, and it's the Portland Auto Show. There's a lot going on, and in the middle of winter, what better than to get out with your family or your significant other or yourself? Just get out of the house and go enjoy some. Uh, go enjoy a day at the auto show. You can also test drive the cars. They have 11 different manufacturers outside where you can test drive cars as well as just seeing them. Over 600 models at the auto show. Very nice. Uh, so you can ride and take drives. You can test drive. And uh, you were telling me a little bit about this charity party, which is a sneak peek. Is that right? It's pretty cool. The Wednesday before the show. Yeah, what is that? Uh, January 25th. You can see the show before all the the masses arrive and see it on a night where you can get dressed up a little bit. Great food, open bars throughout the whole show. And uh, it's a two and a half hour charity event. Uh, Proceeds go to seven great charities in the Portland metro area. It's really a cool night and uh, and it's tax deductible too. And then the, the show itself happens January 26th through the 29th at the Oregon Convention Center. And it's pretty pretty sure that you're going to be wandering around there, right, Chris? Yeah, you might just catch me. But the other place which would be great to catch me is Portland Auto Show's Instagram because I'll be posting some photos there. And that would be at Portland Auto Show on Instagram. And, of course, don't forget to mark your calendars and visit PortlandAutoShow.com today. I'm not really a, a an envious man, Chris, but I got to tell you that uh, what you got going on at the end of 2017 really makes me wish I I had more time or that I could squeeze into your luggage and go with you to Europe. We're going to Italy with Rick Giancarelli, uh, Tuscany region, October 1st. And uh, we already have seven people signed up for that. Um, as a matter of fact, we've got six lovely ladies uh, going as well. And we have uh, we have couples on the way. So uh, that's going to be a really fun trip, eating with Rick Giancarelli throughout the Tuscany region. We also have one before that, uh, which is September 20th. Uh, our third trip with Jose Chesa of Atala and Chesa and 180 uh, to Barcelona, uh, September 20th. And uh, that is an incredible journey to experience Barcelona through the eyes and palate of Chef Jose. Um, he went to culinary school there at 15, and he knows his way about Barcelona. So a lot of folks are going to Barcelona, but you'll never see and eat Barcelona the way we do. It's just great experiences, Chris. So here's what you do. Check out the trips online, portlandfoodadventures.com under the blog tab, where you can also get seats to upcoming PFAs, uh, local events. Those uh, include Dame and Quantrell. Those are on the website as well. Trips, the best local food events. It's what Chris loves doing, and many of you do too. 
And we're back here at Right at the Fork and back to our discussion with Dana. Do you remember the moment, because I remember the moment at Weed Beach in Connecticut when I smoked a joint and I said, wow, I just really love this. <laughs> was that, the, that was the nickname, <laughs> Weed, <laughs> Weed Beach, I'm assuming? Yeah, that okay. was, no, right. no, 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 that's the name that's of the, the beach. Oh, you can wow. look it up. Ah, then that's where everybody hung out. All right, okay. Believe it or Very not. Very fitting. And yeah. by the way, in those days, it was not called Weed. It was, we just called it Pot. But at any rate, I remember the moment where I thought, I just really like this. Yeah. Do you remember having that moment? I can't believe I just copped to that. But That's great. I love it. it makes you, you very human. Yeah, well, <laughs> at least I could say it in 2016. And, <laughs> and court's not going to stop this and go, you know, maybe we shouldn't. Uh, no. Nope. Right. No. Yeah, it's cool. But, uh, um, and it's all very sophisticated now. It's Yes. It, well, it's, it's treated like wine. You don't get but, to call it pot. But to really, this is the longest way to ask the question. You remember that moment where you had a taste of wine mm-hmm. and you said, this is... This is what I love. Um, it wasn't one singular moment for me. I think it was that experience of being at Mirinda with that group of people and just kind of the, yeah, it was that experience of being there. It, it wasn't one singular moment. I have memories of wines that I tasted that felt very transformative, you know, transformative moments for me. Do you have any specifics that come to mind? Um, like the, the early wines that you said, okay, now I, you know, it's like listening to music. I, yeah. You know, I, it's interesting when I started um, drinking wine and really getting into wine, I was drinking a lot of kind of like big voluptuous Oregon Pinots and a lot of stuff from California and some stuff from the South of France. My palate has changed completely since that time. Um, but I do remember um, being much more taken with the European wines at the time and, um, tasting some Alsatian wines that just knocked my socks off because I'd never tasted anything like that in my life. You know, they're white wines that are so unbelievably expressive. Um, and you know, like in college, I was the girl that showed up at a party with a magnum of like Vendage off the bottom shelf at Safeway, you know, like I had no, I remember in college blue nun. Yeah. I mean, I, well, so I don't remember Blue Nun, but I know my parents do. (laughs) But, um, you know, just drinking these wines that were like textural and had so much more complexity to them than any Pinot Grigio I had ever tasted in my life, you know, and, and saying like, okay, this is something completely different than, than what I know. And to me, um, I think what really struck me was that it's, it is a subject that you can always be learning about. You can't know everything there is to know. Because wine is, there's this uh, incredible history that goes with it, but then there's also all of every, everything that everyone's doing now to find their way in the world of wine and change wine. And, and so I feel like you, you can't ever learn it all. And that was super intriguing to me. Maybe you can be my wine therapist for a moment. I would love to. Because, and, and I, you know, I feel stupid about wine. A lot of people do. And, I get it. And I'm around... You know, I have opportunities. Yeah. To, and I just went to, you know, La Rioja yeah. region for the yep. first time. I really liked it. Part of the problem is I get a headache with tannins, right. so I kind of steer away. But I have lots of moments where I taste wine. I think this is really delicious, but I can't quite get over to the to your side where I'm obsessed about it and right. and really love it. Right. Um, and um, I don't know. I'd like to figure that out because right. there's sometimes I taste it and go, this is delicious. I'd like to have more. Right. This is great. But I never, uh, a month later, wouldn't remember what that was called. Right. Right. 
And yeah. So are there a lot of people like me out yes. there? And how do we... Most people. You know, I, I think while I'm sitting here with you, should I come in and just... I, I, have, I know a lot of people in the wine business yeah. who could help me. Right. But I'm not helpful. I don't think I. I don't think I'm saved. You're helpless. You're very. Yeah. You can be saved. You can be saved, Chris. Um, it is a very, very complex world, the world of wine, and unfortunately, we haven't made it easy as an industry for uh, the general consumer to understand what's going on. Oh man, I don't agree with that. There's you so don't? many opportunities there to go to wine, wine dinners and wineries, yes. and here I tend to get bored when it goes over five minutes of the conversation of the soil and the, right. And so, but I'm saying if you look at, um, I'm talking just going to the store and buying wine, and you're looking at a wall of wine. Yeah. And you're like, what? What the fuck? What I the fuck am I going to buy? Yeah. And, and and what is this? And I can't even understand this label. I have no idea what's in this bottle, how it's made, where it came from. Right. And and most what's the, the difference time, between this eight dollar bottle of wine and this thirty five dollar bottle of wine? Because to me, they taste the same. And for me, I don't know about you, Court, but for me, I'm usually buying it for somebody. Right. And I don't know necessarily what oh, they so love, tricky. and I don't know what the balance of, right. hey, is this going to be good, or are they going to know right. I'm a cheap ass if this right. is a $10 bottle of wine versus right. a $40? It's, I have no idea. I guess there's a lot of reference points online right. one could check, and there are people so, at places like Zupans who can help right. me. So, and I don't know how far you want me to get into this, but I have no, some I very strong feelings about all of this. Um, the number one thing I always tell people is that um, when possible, you should buy your wine from a shop uh, versus going to the grocery store or go to a store like Zupan's where there is a wine steward who works there. Um, but you need a guide. You need a Sherpa. You need somebody to kind of hold your hand and walk you through it. And there are so many talented people in this town who can do that. If we're just talking about Portland, who can do that? You know, it's just a matter of seeking them out and then going and saying, you know, I don't know a ton about wine, but here's what I think I like, or here's the things that I think I don't like. You buy six bottles. They'll help you put six bottles together. You say, this is what I think I like, what I don't like. This is what I'd like to spend, ideally. You take your six bottles. You take them home. You drink them over the time that you want to drink them. You snap a picture of all the labels, the labels that you, the wines you liked, right? So mm -hmm. then you have a memory bank of like, I remember I like this one. I remember I like this one. You go back to the shop and you say, hey, thanks. That was awesome. Here are the wines I liked, and I want to try some more that are sort of in this family. And you have somebody to walk you through it. Okay, so, but would I be helpless if I took those six bottles home, opened one up, had, uh, and by the way, most of the time I'm by myself. Right. I do, you know, I'm a very nice host when people are there. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, always, sure, I have sure. plenty of wine to right. open up and say, let's try this, and they're, they're great. Um, but so if I let that bottle sit there and it doesn't, I don't go through it. Right. Is it just that I'm helpless, that I don't like wine enough? No. Do I need to find them that I can't, where I can't, fin I have it to totally, finish the bottle? It depends. I mean, it, you might find that the more wine you drink, the more you enjoy it. You know, it's sort of like when you start drinking coffee and you think this is the most disgusting shit ever. Why would anybody want to drink it? And then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, can't live a day. Yeah, exactly. I've had that. I have yeah. five or, for it. That's a great example. I have five varieties of locally roasted coffee right. at home at any given time that right. I can pick from. Now I've exactly. gotten into that enough, not detailed, but enough where 
Wow, I really but I would say this. that, I mean, we have one kind of coffee at home, you yeah, know, like sorry. having five kinds of coffee at home is like you've gotten to a level where you understand there. it. That's, oh, that's well, it's just, pretty it's awesome. More so, yeah. not, it's more appreciation than it is knowledge. Right. Because, you know, I, I know I love the Ethiopians whenever, that's what I uh-huh. like wine. I would right. go to that. So I guess so, I just like coffee more than I like the taste of wine. Yeah. That, and so it might just be a matter of getting used to it. The other thing is like wine shouldn't be a pressure thing. If you take it home and you don't like it, it's fine. You can cook with it or just dump it out. Yeah, well, that's a waste. Give it to a neighbor. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. <laughs> well, uh, you know what I you mean? You don't like, know my life out there mm, well enough to oh, say Oh, yeah, that. that's not... true, I guess. Um, <laughs> give it to a seagull? I don't know. No, actually, uh, you know what? I have some neighbors who would appreciate all the wine that I, I think. Yeah. That, so, and but they're I wonderful do, people. I do think that it, it requires somebody helping you. It, I shouldn't say require. I think that you will have the best wine experience if you find somebody who can really guide you through what what good wines are, you know? And I will always encourage people to look for natural wines. Those are the kind of wines that I think are uh, most transmit the flavors of a vineyard and the flavors of a vintage and get away from your, you know, five to $10 bottles of crap from Trader Joe's or the bottom shelf of the grocery store. They're loaded. People have headaches from wine because they're drinking wine that's full of chemicals. You so, know? and that's a good segue into natural wines because that's what you're yeah. doing at Dame. So, yeah. talk a little bit more about um, why yeah. you wanted to go that direction. I mean, you just explained it. It's a yeah, yeah, rocket yeah. scientist to say, gee, that sounds like a better direction. Right. But you really want to highlight natural I wines do, more very so much. than anything else. So, I, I mean, I would say as much as I love wine, my real obsession is with natural wine and I've felt this way about wine for a long, long, long time. Um, it was sort of a, I, I do remember this very well, having this epiphany moment with my husband who wasn't my husband at the time, but when we were working together years ago, um, tasting a bunch of natural wine from the Loire Valley and the light bulb just went on and it was like, holy shit, these are transportive wines that take you to a place. And that is what wine has been for thousands of years. If you look back to, you know, so that's the moment Romans I was trying to get at before. Republic that's, you have Georgia. that moment with the yeah, war. with natural wine specifically. Yeah, right. with natural wine specifically, and um, I just sort of felt like, you know, grapes are an agricultural product, and they should taste like what they are and where they come from, right? I mean, we say that about a good tomato. Like, why do you want to eat a tomato in January that came from South America that basically has the texture of styrofoam and tastes like water when you can eat? I just had a Montserrat tomato in, in yeah. Barcelona, and it probably was life changing. It, it was it was like the best tomato. Yes, I'd exactly. Ever had. And it looked I, it started because I looked at it and it looked fantastic. Yep. What's that? And the Oscar Manresa, the chef, said, "Oh, we tried that and took it. And yeah, put some tuna in there. Oh and, uh, man, and it a little, was so good, oh, right? It was great. So, simple, and grapes are the simple. same way. Grapes are the same way, right? right? They're transmitters of the soil that they grow out of, the land that they grow on." And um, if you don't fuck them up with a bunch of chemicals, um, they can tell a really amazing story. And I just find wines like that so much more interesting. I mean, if we're not even talking about the health benefits, like they're just better for you. But the the thing that's challenging is there's no regulations for labeling uh, wine. So you go to the store and you buy a bottle of wine and you think it's made from grapes. But um, there is this bonkers list of approved chemicals that can be added to wine and they don't need to show up anywhere on a label at all. Why is that? Just no regulation so, at all. 
Is it because the wine that part of the wine industry has uh, a lot of influence? And I don't know. So I don't know the answer to that. That I don't know. But you can go to the the TTB website, which is basically the government website that um, oversees uh, all sorts of, in our case, alcohol regulations, and you can just do a search for it and the list of. Um, allowed chemicals or additives, they say, and allowed manipulations is just available there. And if you look at it, if that was done to your food that you go to New Seasons and Mm -hmm. buy, you would never buy a chicken that was pumped with the amount of chemicals that are allowed to go into wine. You just wouldn't. And so um, where we have let people down is that there is no transparency whatsoever. So you can go to the store and look at two $15 bottles of wine and you have no idea what's in them and which one is the one that actually probably won't give you a headache. And there's nowhere online you, can re- you can't go further. You can't s- sit there with your phone and say, let me look into this. No, because most people aren't going to list that. Like, who's going to list right. putting, you know, um, That's silica gel you, in their wine? Nowhere. You know those little silica gel packets that come like when you buy a pair of shoes and it comes in a little yeah. packet and it says do not eat? Or, or medicine. It's in yes. The, in the that is a legal additive in wine. So if you Mixed get it in, in a packet and it right. says, you, do not like eat, you're out a why is it? Pack. Exactly. Wow. So. Got to rethink what I'm telling my kids. Don't eat, don't eat that. <laughs> I guess. I mean, right. I guess it's okay. Right. You dissolve yeah. it. Um, so, you know, I try, I try hard not to be on a soapbox about it. And I try just to equate wine to food and the way we, especially being so lucky to live in a place like Portland where we care so much about our food and about our chefs and our restaurants and the farms and where everything's coming from. I just, what I would like to do is just think of wine in the same way. And so I really wanted to, finally, after so many years of working for other people, um, I wanted to have a place where the vision was about natural wine and the food is about going with natural wine. And so the, the focus there is pairing food with wine as opposed to yeah. usually it's the other way around. Yes. And so we don't do any pairing specifically, but rather than saying no, the, chef the chef comes up with the menu right. and then we pick the wines, the wines come in and then I get to taste with Eli, who is so awesome. I'm so pleased to finally be working with a chef who loves and understands wine. And he is himself says like a student of natural wine. He loves it. And so, um, yeah, he gets to taste wines and then think about, OK, what's going to go with the wine? That's and it's so fun. You know anybody else doing that? I have never. In all my no. time, I've never heard of anybody else doing it that way. No, but way. I, I do think, you know, I I mentioned Katie and Sondek from Coquine before, and I... Oh, they have to. Yeah, they're... Absolutely adore those two. That is, I think, that restaurant is one of the best restaurants. I mean, certainly in Portland, but I think in the country, and um, I'm sure, without a doubt, that they work together in that way. Oh, absolutely. And he he's... I hear from a lot of people, because when I talk to him... It, you know, I'm not coming from a level of sophistication, but I hear right. from a lot of people that Sondek, you know, is the is one of the go-to guys. Oh yeah, when for it sure. Comes to wine, for sure. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, they're married and mm-hmm. they have a successful loving yep. re- love of what they do yep. together. Exactly. So, um, were you as concerned to David Jeans with natural wines? Or I was. Were you? Were you? It was a very, very big part of that program. It wasn't 100 percent that because the focus there was um, building this really large list that covered all of Italy. And in order to do that, there were some wines that um, it would have been a shame not to include them on the list if we're really talking about the story of Italian wine and 
all of these amazing, sorry, I just said it again. Um, you got one more left and tiny, we don't have much longer. Teeny, go, tiny so. little towns that, you know, are known for, you know, one single grape variety. Maybe because of where they are, they're under certain constraints where they can't farm naturally, you know, where it's, they can't not put chemical sprays in the vineyards because they would lose their entire crop that year. You know, so so most of the list was natural, but certainly not all of it. And at Dame, it's 100%. I don't, um, and that's another thing that I should mention too, is that there's no regulation for what natural is. So As with anything. So it's sort of up to your own definition. And there's one uh, very strong camp of natural uh, wine fans who, who say that natural wines are um, organic, biodynamic, nothing added, including sulfur. So there are no sulfur wines. And sulfur is a preservative. It's a naturally occurring preservative that people add to wine that's a stabilizer. It's a preservative if you're sending wine overseas and it's coming by boat and then it's coming on a truck. You want something in it to kind of act as a bit of a stabilizer or preservative. And so going null sulfur works in certain cases with certain kinds of wine, but um, wines can really go sideways and start re-fermenting or, um, you know, just have off flavors and aromas. So I am not in the no sulfur camp, um, but I am in the low sulfur camp. So um, like Germany is a place in the world that's known for putting a lot of sulfur in its wines. And that's because there's some sweeter wines. And so you've got to add sulfur to maintain the sweetness in the wine. And so I don't have a lot of German wines on the list at Dame because it's hard to find them with lower amounts of sulfur. And can you so, can you believe the winemakers when they're telling you what they're putting in it and what they're not? Um, you know, uh, a lot of it's about building relationships and um, knowing your the importers that I work with and the distributors that I work with. And I work with a pretty small group of people um, who I have very long and trusted relationships with. And then... I also have the good fortune of being able to travel about once a year to Europe. And so it is about going and hanging out in people's cellars and walking in their vineyards. And the proof is in the pudding. You know, I mean, you can see it. You can see a vineyard that is organic versus a vineyard that's been sprayed with a bunch of chemical. I mean, you, it's very obvious just looking at it, you know, what and you can tell obvious? when tasting wine. What makes it? Um, oh, gosh. Well, organic vineyards are flourishing with all kinds of other life in them and um, vineyards that are brown generally unless it's a an area that doesn't grow any vegetation if it's a vineyard that is just pretty much brown and looks like dead earth with some vines coming out of it you can guarantee it's probably been sprayed with a bunch of chemical Hmm. it's sad so um you know this is one of the fastest almost hours that we've had i know i'm looking at the clock we're almost getting there um so i think it would be important because there are people listening to this who are who would like to know, are yep. there any specific wines right now that are so special mm-hmm. that someone needs to come in and dame and try them? Yes. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I I know the answer is yes. Which, <laughs> which ones might those be? Um, so some favorites right now that stand out. Well, um, I will say that we have um, a big order of wines from the Republic of Georgia coming and they'll be here by the time the podcast mm-hmm. comes out. So um, that that would be um, something that I would encourage people to come in um, because we have very little access to wines from the Caucasus here and they really Georgian wine culture is among the oldest in the world um, and they are maybe the great heroes of the natural wine movement if you want to call it a movement. It's just how they've been making wine for thousands of years and because we've had little access to the wines, they're quite unknown. But um, I had uh, another 
moment uh, in my wine life that absolutely changed me um, when I was in London last year uh, with my husband and we were pouring his wines at a natural wine fair. And what are his were, wines? Uh, Bow and Arrow okay. is his winery. And um, there were, I think, about 12 or 14 Georgian wineries that were at this fair that were pouring their wines too. And it was my first real exposure to the wines. And it was... Um, a very, very moving experience for me. Um, emotionally, there were some tears involved with tasting these wines and meeting these people. And um, so I have my first load of Georgian wines coming and I'm really, really, really excited about them. Um, I would say that's what I'm most enthusiastic about right now is being able to share those wines with people here. And we've we've had, you can find some bottlings here and there. There's maybe one wine shop and um, you know, I've got a friend who's sort of been the champion of Georgian wines in Portland as much as he can be a champion, you know. But this will be sort of the largest collection of Georgian wines in Portland. You think so. if I come in and try some, you can draw, we can draw a tear? Yes. I'd like to cry. I would like to make you but cry, <laughs> yeah, cry no, a tear of joy. You wouldn't be the first woman. <laughs> this has been, I'd like to make you cry go, a tear of joy. Going back to our when, uh, when I, one of the first dinners you and I had together, both you and I, Chris, realized neither of us are really wine guys. Right. And so like they were serving wine throughout the, the meal, and ours just kind of sat there and stacked up. After oh, I make so. sure it goes to good news. Just of, like you said, right. give it to your neighbors. Right. Yeah. All my events, I'm here, have this. Yeah, yeah. I want to make sure everybody's yeah. enjoying yeah. it. But let's I, go in for a good cry if we can get you, you know. Uh, I'm down for a good and cry. I just would encourage you to stick with that. Like, I'm not a wine guy. You don't have to be a wine guy. It's okay. Well, no, totally I know fine. that. But, no, but it's it's totally. <laughs> but I'm I among don't a want... lot of people who appreciate it. And yes. I always feel like, but and, but I'm not a bullshitter. So I right. never said, oh, I, I went know. to I, a. Yeah, sorry. Go I went to a, I went to an event once. It was a it was the classic wine tasting that they have here in Portland, yeah. one of the big events, with my wife, and she was getting something. And I was there with her, and she's like, "You want anything?" And I'm like, "I'm not a wine guy," and like the room kind of just went quiet. Everybody's just looking at me. And Who's like, this guy, and yeah. why'd you bring him? I'm like, All right, go find the water. <laughs> no, I think it's um, we, you know, we really, really try um, when putting Dame together to say like this place is about wine. But you don't have to be a super experienced wine person to come like ours. We take really, really good care of our guests. We care a lot about hospitality, but it's also a neighborhood restaurant. It's casual in a, in a lot of ways. And I've looked in. You. I haven't. I, I've missed it because I think yes. you just left when the one time I was and there. And, you know, we my... made it. It's beautiful. I will say that. I mean, and I say that with pride. I think we built a beautiful restaurant, but it is neighborhood pricing. It's neighborhood service. Um, it's warm, but we want people to come in and, and drink wine, and it doesn't have to be a thing. It doesn't and, have to be fancy. And natural wines, or are we talking uh, a higher price point? Nope. Generally speaking? Nope, not at all. No. Lower price point in a lot of cases. Okay. Yeah. So I have to do that. You know, I was in La Moule the other day, and mm -hmm. you know Nathan Curtis? Yep. yep. Well, he started working there. I went the night that he started. And, you know, I'm not either. I'm not a huge drinker, right. period. Yeah, yeah. Of anything. And, but... I can talk to him about what kind of cocktails I like. Right. And that guy, I just said, oh, I like a dirty martini. He made me three different versions of dirty martini. Amazing. And I can really appreciate it. Yeah. And on the other hand, and not to make this about me, I really don't like to do that. But lots of times I'm out with friends and I'll look over and my wine glass is empty. And for that... For me, that's a, yeah. a treat to look at, to see. Oh, yeah. I must have really, oh, I liked, really that. liked that. I didn't even it's know gone. that it was. Or done. my neighbor drank it. <laughs> yeah, well, that, yeah. that can happen too. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was, 
wonderful to have you on. This went really fast. We we it's spent too, too much fast. time talking about right the two of us. So we, we weren't we weren't used to this questions going back the other way. It threw mm-hmm. us off a little bit. That's all right. Didn't I? I, I wanted it. to just try it out and see. You know, like maybe I'm done with wine, <laughs> and, and I'm going to get into, get into the, podcast. uh, yeah, yeah, interviewing and you know that sort of thing. You'll do great. Thanks. I think you will. <laughs> I mean, you're a natural, and but I think that's what you do. You must do. So, are you behind? The, are you behind the wine bar? Uh, no, I mean, no. So we have the bar itself is just like another section of the restaurant. So we have three servers on the floor. One works behind the bar and two are on the floor. And I just am on the floor. Jane and I are on the floor just being the extra pair of hands, um, you know, helping with wine, talking with tables about wine. But I am putting a lot of emphasis on the staff education part of things and really wanting the staff to know about wine so they can really talk with guests and it empowers them too, you know, which that's is really a lot nice. of work. So, but that's, I, but I, I want to be there. I mean, I love, 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 love hospitality. I love working on the floor. Um, I want to be there to see our guests and see how the food looks when it goes out and open bottles for people. And so, yeah. But so for the time being, I'm there every night. Okay. Oh, so if you want to talk make wine, sure. well, I'm make, there. and just to see you too. Don't yeah, necessarily have absolutely. To talk wine. There's other things I and I'm delicious sure you... food. Delicious food. I mean, we are a restaurant, so we've got a beautiful menu and come for dinner and drink some wine or come sit at the bar and have a glass and be on your way. We know Gary's been there quite a bit. Gary, and he's not a wine oh guy. my gosh. He's not really a wine guy No, either. but he comes in and he's been drinking some wine. Good. And that's what it's... I've seen him a couple times this week. He's He's um, been an amazing supporter and such a sweet guy. He's um, very grateful. Well, we've he's brought Dame up on every single one of the <laughs> updates since yeah, we started, right? Mm-hmm. And we have another one in a couple of weeks. Oh, that's so great. We'll, we'll bring it. Yeah, up it was then. nice to hear that. It was nice to hear us mention because knowing his palate and all the amazing places he gets to eat, that's a pretty high compliment, I have to say. So the one thing we didn't mention. Yeah. I'm sorry, I can't believe it. Our favorite people yes. in all of Portland, Joan and Jerry. Joan and Jerry. Yeah. So they came on the trip. To I know Spain. They had us. a they had a fantastic time. They they, they love such a great time. you. So the, I love them. The feeling's very very mutual. And we had a conversation the other night. We thought the podcast could be really funny if the whole thing was about Joan and Jerry. So I would like to do that sometime. If you will have me back, I we can easily make an entire podcast about Joan and Jerry. Well, we because probably most of your listeners who are listening know Joan and Jerry or know of Joan and Jerry. They're probably, I guess, they haven't been in town that long. It for, doesn't matter. But they're they're all over the place. <laughs> they know everybody. Yep. And um. I think we ought to. There ought, ought to be some way we, we can um, incorporate Joan's hand gestures into yes. the into the podcast because yep. it's a visual thing. Yep. But um, but they're wonderful people. But we were joking the other night when we were eating at Nostrana that we could do an entire podcast asking you. So Dana, what is it about Joan and Jerry? Yes, I mean, the whole thing. I so. I could lend a lot of stories. They're lovely, lovely, lovely people. Two of my favorites. And they eat sure. out almost every night, so maybe we could start a segment. Multiple times a day with, sometimes. Right, multiple times a day. So they're yeah. kind of like Gary. Gary. I foodie. would just have them on and just, you know, I think they would be we an should ama- do a, amazing guest. It would guests. be fun to do a podcast Absolutely. with them. So we we, just for Joan and Jerry, we love you. We love thanks you for, guys. Thanks, thank you guys for listening, and we hope they listen more often. I don't know if they've actually listened to the podcast yet. So, well, they will now. They will. Right at the Fork is supported by PortlandFoodAndDrink.com. The legendary food dude dishes up Portland food news and comprehensive guides to just about everything that has to do with food in Portland. From coffee and wine shops to bakeries and more. 
Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Intro music by Ariel Varinas. Find links to her music in the show notes section. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Stand by.